Well, hey, good morning again, and welcome to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us. Um, Today, we're going to continue our series that we've titled Flawed Heroes of Faith. And so uh, this is week three of us kind of taking a dive into, we're looking at different Bible characters and what we can learn from their faith and their example of faith. And uh, I love a series like this because, as I mentioned in week one when I opened the series, the Bible is not full of perfect people, it's full of imperfect people, flawed people, like, just like you and I, amen? Aren't you glad that there's hope in the examples we see? Just because a character makes the Bible doesn't mean they did it perfectly, nor are they any better than anyone else, and so that gives you and I equal playing field. That puts it on the same field that we're on today so that we can receive from the principles of faith that we still see through the flawed men and women of faith in the Bible. If you haven't been with us, the last two weeks we've uh, covered two kind of groups of um, faith examples, flawed heroes of faith. Week one was Samson, and week two we kind of clumped Joshua, Caleb, and the spies all together. I guess we covered three, uh, but uh, we, we counted that as one. And so if you missed either of those messages, really encourage you guys to go back. You can watch those, listen to the podcast. I know they'll be a blessing to you, but today we're going to continue our journey on in looking at another Bible character today. And the character that God has placed on my heart to teach uh, about and and for us to look at their example today is Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. We're going to look at Gideon today and uh, this flawed hero of faith and see what we can learn from his example of faith. So as we open up God's word today, before we do, let's prepare our hearts and our minds to receive with him. Would you pray with me one more time as we get ready to receive the word of God? Father, we love you so much. And man, we just thank you for your presence here with us today. It's an honor to be in your presence and we're so thankful for your word. It leads us and it guides us. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a, it's a light to our path, Father. We thank you, Lord, as we open up your word and we look at the life and the example of Gideon, that Holy Spirit, you would customize this message to every person today. Lord, that you know what we have need of even before we come to you. And we know you know where we're in fear and you know where we lack areas of faith in our life. And so, Father God, I pray that you would fill in the gaps today and call us up to a higher place, a higher level in you today. May we all grow closer to you and grow in our faith today as we look at your servant, Gideon. Well, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Awesome. Well, hey, you know, I, I grew up in church, but I didn't know any of the Bible stories. So just, just as a show of hands, just to kind of crowdsource a little bit, uh, how many of you guys know anything about Gideon? Let me see a show of hands if you know anything about Gideon, all right? How many, if you be honest, you know the name, uh, but you have no clue what he did or what he's, you know, you're having fo- foggy time remembering what the heck was his story about, okay? And how many of you guys maybe are like me where it's like, uh, giddy who, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, giddy in, giddy who, right? Um, no worries either way. We're going to look at the whole story together and uh, really what we can pull out of here. But important thing to note up front here, just like Samson, Gideon appears and his name is listed by name in the Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Faith. So he's another one of these people that we actually see in the Hall of Faith. If you're not familiar with this concept, in Hebrews chapter 11, we learn about what faith is. We learn how it's impossible to please God without faith, so how important it is. And then it goes on and lists a bunch of men and women by name and some of their exploits of these men and women, this Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith type list. And at the very end of the chapter 11, it stops talking so much in detail and just lists a long list of names that they don't have time enough to talk about. And Gideon's one of them. Let's take a look at it real quick in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34. And the writer of Hebrews says, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jepheth or about David and Samuel and the prophets. 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, and who became powerful in battle, uh, or who to, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. All right, so Gideon is listed by name in the Hebrews chapter 11 hall of faith. And some of the byproducts that we're going to learn about of Gideon's faith is also listed here. Things like becoming powerful in battle and routing foreign armies and even his weakness, just like Samson, being turned into strength. And so here's what I always say. If, if God chose him to make the list, then there's something that me and you can learn from this. Amen? There's some type of example here that as we dig into the actual details of Gideon's life that God could teach us, again, because it's not the hall of uh, peace or the hall of strength, it's the hall of faith. So there's an element of faith that we can learn today from Gideon's life, and I'm so excited to look at it. So some of you guys are like, okay, so who is Gideon? And what on earth did he did? I'm, I do. I'm so glad you asked because we're going to take a look at this and kind of to start it out, I'm going to just give you the context surrounding the story of Gideon and some of the highlights of his life and his journey. And then we're going to jump into some specifics that I feel like the Lord wants us to all take away today. So uh, the story of Gideon is found in the book of Judges, just like Samson was, specifically Judges chapter 6 through chapter 8. So if you're going back, you want some reading this week, you want to really dive into all the details of Gideon, go read Judges chapter 6 through 8, just three chapters. As we talked about uh, in week one, Judges is the book in the Old Testament directly after the book of Joshua. And it's in stark contrast to Joshua. A lot of us are familiar with Joshua and his story. In the book of Joshua, God's people are obedient to him and possess the land that he said, that, and they conquer the giants in the land, right? In Judges, it's like bad news bears, like all over the place that God's people did evil or did right in their own sight, right? And so they turned their hearts, they got rebellious, they turned away from God's word and his law, and they began to sin. And so God would have to raise up a judge to deliver them out of the bondage of the enemies that had them. And the cycle kept going on seven different times. God would raise up a judge. And then when I'm saying judge, this is like some tribal military leader, not a dude that sits in a courtroom, all right? So this is what the judge means here. God would raise up a judge and that person would set God's people free from bondage and restore the people back to pure worship. But then, after some time, the people would turn their backs against God, right? And they would sin. So there's this cycle of sin, oppression, crying out to God. God gives them a judge. They deliver them. There's peace in the land. And then they turn their hearts and they go back against God. And this happens seven different times throughout the book of Judges. And so when we get to Judges chapter 6, it begins with the common phrase that a lot of chapters and Judges begin with. The people, God's children did right, or did right in their own eyes, and it said, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of their enemies, the Midianites. So in this scene, unlike Samson, his enemies were the Philistines, uh, Gideon and the Israelite people's enemies in this context were the Midianites, all right? And here's the deal, for seven years, the Midianites would oppress the Israelites. And so here's what would happen. The Israelites, God's people, would sow, and then the Midianites would come and steal the harvest every year. So they would steal all their crops, all their food, all their animals. So God's people had nothing to eat. They were, star they were starving. They were scared. They were hiding in caves and holes and trying to get away from the Midianites. And they cried out to the Lord about it. Insert Gideon's story, right? So in the midst of this, an angel of the Lord appears and comes to a guy by the name of Gideon and calls him to defeat the Midianites and save Israel. 
So Gideon was this poor, scared, you know, like servant guy, and, and he tried to make excuses, all types of excuses of why he wasn't the guy. <laughs> yeah, have you ever been there before? You feel like God's calling you to do something. You're like, you got the wrong person, God. Like, pick him. He's more polished. She's better looking. She's got all it takes, right? And I was like, no, no, no. He wanted to use Gideon to display his power, right? And so he comes to Gideon, and the Lord makes it very clear over and over throughout Judges 6 through 8 that Gideon is the dude. So Gideon eventually gets on board with that. He, he tears down the idols in the city, and God calls him to defeat the Midianites. So it's, it's about time to battle, right? So uh, Gideon calls a bunch of the Israelite soldiers together. He gathers a group of 32,000 soldiers to come against the Midianites. Now, just to put that in context, the Midianites were 135,000 people. Uh, but the Lord says that the, the 32,000 soldiers get in, that's too much. And so he tests the people and he says, I need to whittle that down a little bit. So they go down to the water and the dudes and the soldiers that take the water and lap it up and bring it to their mouth, they get to stay. But everybody that goes down on their knees and just drinks water right from the, from the pond there, they out, right? So they whittle those down. He says, anybody who's scared, leave. <laughs> uh, 12, uh, I'm sorry, 22,000 soldiers leave immediately. So 32,000 down to 10,000. Then he does the water test. And that water test, after the water test, only 300 soldiers are left to fight against 135,000 Midianites. Hello. The Lord confirms again to Gideon that he will deliver him into the Midianite's hand and give, give wisdom of how, they go, how to go against them. And so the army uh, of 300 splits into three different camps. And get this. They say, let's, uh, let's grab some clay pots. Let's grab, grab some torches and let's grab some trumpets to go to battle, all right? That's what they grabbed, right? And, and the Midianites, uh, when it was time, they blew their trumpets, they broke their clay pots, they lifted up their torches, and the Midianites, as they surrounded these guys, they got confused, and they began to turn against themselves, and they began killing themselves and fleeing away, and, and eventually God gives them this supernatural victory over a lot of soldiers that they shouldn't have beat, Right? Now, uh, we will probably focus on mainly that portion of the story. Uh, again, flawed heroes of faith. Gideon's story doesn't end the best as it started there. Uh, he has a nasty temper and he kills a bunch of Israelites that didn't help them in the battle. And then he makes uh, an idol from all the gold that they took from the battle. And as, after he dies, the people of uh, God worship the gold idol instead of God. And again, they go backwards and then we have to raise up another judge. All right. So this is the whole context of kind of what we're talking about when we talk about Gideon. He is the scaredy cat, coward type dude that God comes to and says, you're deliver my people, and it's going to be a supernatural victory. You're going to have to lean on me. You're going to have to have faith in me. That's what we're talking about. Pretty intense Bible story, huh? So some of you guys might be wondering, okay, that's all good, and thanks for giving me that history lesson, but what on earth can we learn from Gideon? Well, for the remainder of our time today, I want to share with you three things that I believe the Lord wants to show us from Gideon's example. And if you're taking notes today, first one is this. Number one, allow God's word to build your faith. We must allow God's word to build our faith. Let's look at Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 12. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, which his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. This scaredy cat threshing wheat in the wine press. Why in the wine press? Because they don't want the Midianites to know that they're, they have food, right? They're hiding this stuff. 
The Lord sends an angel to speak, and this is a powerful passage of Scripture that we often read through really quickly and don't understand. Gideon's hiding. He's scared. He's threshing wheat. And the Lord says, The Lord, I am with you, you mighty man of valor. And, and, and Gideon's probably like look, looking over his shoulder like, You're, Me? You're talking about me? Like, do you know who I am? I'm scared right now. I, I'm, I'm broke right now. I got nothing. No way am I a mighty man of valor. If you look at other Bible translations, the NIV says mighty warrior. <laughs> Gideon's like, not feeling like that. NLT says mighty hero. And the Amplified Classic says mighty man of fearless courage. Gideon's like, say what? That is not me, bro. God, you've got the wrong person. I am not any of those things. This word from the Lord, though, is life-changing for Gideon. Completely opposite of how he viewed himself and how he thought about himself. And what is God doing here? He begins to build Gideon's faith for his God-given assignment by speaking his word to him. Again, we have to build, allow God's word to build our faith, right? In Judges chapter 6, verse 14, God speaks a second word to him. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So again, a second time, God says, in case you didn't believe the first one, Gideon, I'm telling you, I'm with you, and I'm sending you. You are called by the Lord Most High to go deliver your people from this enemy. And Gideon can't believe what he's hearing. He's like, I'm the absolute last man on earth qualified to do what you're calling me to do, Lord. And he goes on and he, he tries to make excuses, right? And tell God why he isn't the man for the job. We see this in Judges 6, 15, the next verse. So he said to him, to the Lord, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. What is Gideon saying here? He's saying, God, no way. There's absolutely no way that I could ever do this, right? And he starts, I'm, I'm the weakest. My tribe is the weakest out of all the tribes. I'm the runt of the family. God, I'm broke. I'm poor. Father, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. You don't know what happened to me. My family's a little messed up, jacked up, all that kind of stuff. You cannot use me. And God says, yes, I can. Right? And so God speaks to him in Judges chapter 6, verse 16, and the Lord said to him again, one more time, the third time, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. This is powerful here, this interaction between the Lord and Gideon. God speaks his word three different times to Gideon. Number one, the Lord is with you, you mighty, fearless warrior hero. Number two, you shall save Israel because I have sent you, I've called you. And then the third one, I will surely be with you. Just like, hey, just so you know, I'm going with you and you should defeat the Midianites. Why does God do this? Why does God speak his word three different times to Gideon? Well, I believe as you study faith and how principles of faith work, God is needing to build Gideon's faith to the place where he can step out and do something that he never thought he could do. Because we know this is how faith comes. Faith comes by the word of God, right? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? Hearing by the what? By the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, And hearing by the word, hearing, hearing repetitively over and over, not just one time, Gideon, I need to tell you three different times that you are the chosen man for the journey, whether you feel like it, whether your resume is built for it or not, it don't matter, I'm calling you, I will be with you, I'm sending you. Three different times he has to speak his word to build Gideon's faith to a certain level. And, um, you know, God knows that in the natural, 
doesn't really have what it takes, right? He's timid, he's hiding, he's afraid of his enemy, the Midianites. He's, he's the last one that he feels like is qualified to set the Israelites free from this. So what does God do? He speaks his word to Gideon through the angel. Three times he calls out the gold in Gideon. Three times he speaks to the potential in Gideon. Three times he says, lift up your head and see yourself and your mission from my view and not your viewpoint. And he speaks the word of God to build Gideon's faith. And the reason I get excited about that today, and I think we can get excited about that today, is this. That's the same way God builds our faith. That's the same way we can build our personal faith. We grow our faith by the word of God. Do you need anything from God in this season of your life? Go to the word of God. If it's healing, what does God's word say about healing? If it's provision, what does God's word say about provision? If it's peace, what does God's word say about the Prince of Peace that you have living on the inside of you? If it's wisdom, what does God's word say about the situation that you don't know what to do? We can go to God's word, and by faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, we can know what to do, we can have faith to do it. Even when right now, in our current circumstance, we feel like, no way, I can never do this. That's powerful stuff. You see, we've learned, and I've learned over the years as we've trusted God, that you can have what God says you can have. And you can do what God says you can do. And the coolest thing that I'm beginning to learn and continue to remind myself and learn over and over in every season is this, that Gideon learns too. You can be who God says you can be. Amen? No matter what anybody else says, no matter what the world says, no matter what your family says, your friends say, no matter what culture says, you can be who God says you can be because of his word. Amen? And so, we need to get in God's word and let faith arise. Side note, if you're dealing with any big decisions in your life, I always like to coach this, make sure you go to the word of God in your life. This is kind of a big deal for Gideon. Like either I'm going to get slaughtered and die by the Midianites or I'm going to lead an army and be successful, right? This is kind of a life-changing moment for him, right? If you're going to make a big decision in life, make sure you don't make that decision until you've got an anchor from the word. Maybe it's taking a job or a new job or promotion whatnot. Yeah, maybe the money's higher, but like, have you thought about that as a family? How does that affect you? How does that, what does that look like? Do you have peace on the inside? Do you have some confirmation for that? Maybe, oh, I'm on a move. I want to buy a new house or whatever. Yeah, what, what word are you standing on right now? What's an anchor for your soul? Maybe you're like, I don't know what to do with kids in schooling. Should I homeschool them? Should I send them to public school, Christian school? The Lord will help you with that. You need an anchor for whatever you do because somebody will say you're crazy no matter what you do right? Can I get an amen? So you got to take, take the crazy out of it and say, no, God told me to do it, so I'm, I built my faith on it, and I'm stepping out in faith, right? Maybe you're trying to change uh, responsibilities or stepping down for something, moving or shifting. Just make sure you have God's word on it, because the word of God is what helps build our faith. Shoot, even buying a church building, make sure you got the word of God on it, Amen. Many of you guys have been with us for our journey. We're a six-year-old church, but man, we have many different locations and expressions of church, right, that Alive has been. But uh, uh, the only reason we're meeting in this facility this morning is because of a word of God that God gave us in a separate season. In a season where we were crying out and believing him for more, he gave us Amos chapter 9, verse 15. He said, I will firmly plant you guys in your own land. That built enough faith in all of us crazy people to say, you know what, let's purchase a building in a bad economy and pledge to raise funds to renovate it before we ever knew where any of the money was going to come from. Either that's crazy or that's faith. 
And that word also unified all of us to say, you know what? We're going to be crazy enough to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings to make this happen so that we could have more space to welcome more people home. Whether we ever knew what God was actually going to do or not, we believed it and we had faith for it. We could see it because of the Word of God and the vision that He gave before us. Nothing was guaranteed except that He was a man of His Word. Amen? And as we stepped out in faith, my goodness, some of you guys are here this morning and you found a church family, you found a church home, you're, you're coming, you're growing in your faith, your, your kids are loving church and growing in the relationship with God, all because of God's Word building faith. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. That's how God works. He speaks and He builds our faith. We serve a faith God. And the cool thing is we serve a God who speaks faith over us. Seeing the gold, seeing the potential, seeing the gifts ever before we sometimes see it in ourselves. This is what God starts to do in Gideon's life. He starts speaking mighty warrior. He starts speaking fearless leader, mighty faith hero before Gideon ever realized it or even had anything on his resume to line up to that, right? And that's how God rolls. He speaks things into existence that don't exist. Romans chapter 4 Verse 17, it's talking about Abraham. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who believe God, who gives life to the dead, and check this out, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God loves calling things that aren't as though they were. Come on, somebody, right? Things that look ordinary, God can call extraordinary. Things that look broken, He can call healthy, whole, and healed. Things that seem impossible, God says, that's a great opportunity for me to show that I am God and you are not. Amen? God loves calling things that aren't currently as though they were and letting those things line up to His Word. Amen? And so here's the deal. If you're struggling with anything in your life, specifically if you're struggling with your self-worth, your confidence, your call, your giftings, your purpose. My goodness, there's no better place to go than God's Word to understand who God has called you to be. To see, how, see yourself how God speaks over you. Loved, accepted, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, healed, provided for. Come on, somebody. God's, full, God's Word's full of promises. When we begin to see how He sees us, can rise above some of the limitations we put on our own self. Side note, if if you've not been through growth track here at Alive Family Church, I really encourage you to walk through that because take a few minutes of your time to understand and figure out how God has created you, how he's wired you. Let him begin to start pull the gold out of you. This will really help you in this area become more confident of what God has called you to do on this earth. Amen? This is the story of Gideon, and this is God reminding us that faith comes from his word. Amen? So never, never get away from the word. Only stick with the word because that's where faith comes. That's the first thing we learn the second thing we learn is, number two, choose faith over fear. Turn to somebody and say, faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. Gideon had a choice, right? To choose faith or to choose fear. And both of them came with a set of consequences. The first one, to choose faith, believe God, have a chance to deliver God's people from the Midianites and be the victory judge. Or choose fear miss the call and assignment of God, and keep the whole nation in bondage and not what God had intended for his people. There was a choice, right? The stakes were high. And Gideon had to navigate through fear in the midst of his faith, right? And, 
And it took a lot of convincing for Gideon to get on board. I didn't go through all the details. And if you read Judges 6 through 8, you realize that this dude needed a lot of signs and a lot of words from God, even to get up enough courage, right? And even when he, he like, God showed up multiple times, he's like, are you sure? Like, he just really questioned and tested God. Maybe you're like that too. Maybe your personality is like that. I just need a bunch of confirmations and a safety net before I step out. I believe God will honor you and he will help you through this. We see multiple words for, for Gideon, three words from God that we just looked at. And it's point number one. We see Gideon multiple times puts out what, what uh, sometimes we call a fleece. Basically, he said, God, show me a sign that you're even in this. Now, we don't believe that we should be led by fleeces because if we open the door like that, there's a dude named Satan. He'll love to show you something and mislead you and guide you, right? Uh, we believe God is a man of his word and he don't need, we don't need to put him to the test that way. Amen? But Gideon needed to do that, right? He even is like, okay, I'm for sure called to do this, but I don't know if we're going to win. And he goes down and God leads him down to the Midianite camp and he overhears a dream that a, that a Midianite soldier had about, basically the interpretation was that Gideon and all these people are going to come in and kick our butts. And God allows him to hear that. And, and then we eventually see that Gideon gets in faith and gets on board and that's where we collide with Judges chapter 7, verse 15. It says, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and it's an interpretation Check this out. He worshiped. Love this. If we read this so fast, we'll miss this. When Gideon heard about the dream and the interpretation, he worshiped. Then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Notice it said he worshiped. This is a powerful little detail. What happens when you and I worship and when we worship? We put our faith and trust in God, not ourselves, right? We begin to magnify God and not our own abilities. We begin to thank the God of victory, Jehovah Nisi, the one that fights our battles for us. We begin to worship and just trust in Him no matter what our circumstances look like. No matter if we're outnumbered and outmanned and uh, our resume doesn't line up and we don't feel adequate to do it. We begin to worship anyways and we begin to make God big and our problems small, right? Gideon begins to worship. That is a moment of faith. He switches the switch of faith and begins to worship God even before the battle has even started, and begins to believe what God's Word has been saying to him all along, there's power in our worship. That's a whole other message. Come on, somebody. But he worships, and for the longest time, man, this is huge, he chooses to worship in the midst of his fear. Remember, feel your feelings? Gideon's all up in his feelings, and he doesn't feel confident. He's afraid. He's scared. And in the midst of feeling those feelings, he chooses to trust in faith and lift his hands and worship God Almighty and get a whole nation of Israel behind what God has already spoken and promised. That's powerful stuff, right? And for the longest time, you know, when I've taught about fear and faith, you probably heard this too, like I've always taught that you can't be in faith and fear at the same time. And I still largely believe that. I think that's scriptural and all of that stuff. But I've also allowed the Lord to show me a different perspective because I think if we just camp out there, we can get in a ditch and deny our feelings and deny the realness of the moment and the weight of the moments that we're facing even right now and not give God glory, honor, or praise and allow Him to bust through. I like to say it this way. You can choose faith in the face of fear. We see this through Gideon. You, can, you and I can choose to believe God and have faith in the face of fear. The idea that you still might be facing feelings of fear about something, but you can choose to trust God in the midst of it. I love this quote from Matt Chandler. He says, faith 
doesn't mean the absence of fear. It means facing fear and trusting that God's goodness is greater. I love that. I love that just kind of sparks something on the inside of some of us this morning. That we might be facing something heavy. We might be facing something scary. We might be facing something that we don't know how it's going to end or how God's going to come through. And we're feeling those feelings of fear and timidity, right? But in the midst of that, Gideon shows us that you can choose to worship God and you can choose to put your faith and trust in a God who is God and you are not. The God of the impossible, the God of miracle working power and let God go to work in a powerful way. Because all the way up to the actual battle scene with the Midianites, Gideon was struggling with fear. He was afraid of what might happen or what could happen. He was insecure if God was really going to come through. And in the midst of all this, he chose to trust God. He chose to worship. He chose to put his faith in God. And here's the good news for you and I. If Gideon did it, that means you and I can do it too. If Gideon had enough faith based on God's word alone to do it, then you and I can operate in this too. And I like to illustrate just the trust in the faith element that God desires from all of us as we go and do great things for him. Have any of you guys ever done a trust fall before? You guys know what that is? For those of you guys that don't know what a trust fall is, uh, I want to demonstrate this to you guys real quickly, all right? So if I can have my helpers come on up here very quickly and get in spot here. And while they're doing that, why the heck are we doing a trust fall? I love trust falls. It's a sick thing, all right? I have a love-hate relationship with the trust fall. Eric and I did college ministry back in the day, and oftentimes at the beginning of the school year with our college-age students, we would do team-building activities. Why? Because we needed these random people from different households to start to get, get along, trust each other, and hold each other accountable and have each other's back if we're ever going to accomplish what God had for us. One of the things we did every year is something called the trust fall. A trust fall is a blind fall backwards, with complete trust that the people that are holding out their arms are going to catch you. And let me tell you a little secret. Although I like trust falls, I hate trust falls. I don't like heights. I'm a tall guy and I don't like heights. That's funny. And I don't like trust, even though I trust these dudes, all right? Now, I don't think I ticked any of them off before service. We'll, we'll find out in a second here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, leave. They've all been plotting behind the scenes. Now, I told them, you represent God, and God don't fail, and God don't drop you. Amen? So if this illustration goes bad, we will cut the tape, and we'll do it again next service, all right? But there's fear. There's, a, that, there's that knot in my stomach. Although I've done this a million times, and I even practiced with them before service, it still doesn't change the fact that I'm a little nervy about what is about to happen here in the next minute. Because what if they drop me? What if they let me fall and crack my head on the floor, right? What if, what if this looks really bad and this is a horrible illustration and analogy? There's all of that I'm dealing with. And in the midst of that, as I step up to the edge of the stage, I'm still feeling that. Much like we do in life. Like, oh, I'm believing God for this, but I still kind of have a, ah, is it really going to work? Is God really going to come through? Is God really going to provide? Can God really heal this condition and this situation, this diagnosis, right? We get up to it, even right up to it, and, and it's still there. But if you can't be in faith and fear, then we've got to be a long way away from that fear, but we will never accomplish what God has called us to accomplish if we don't get real with what we're feeling. And so God, I am afraid. I am worried. I am anxious. But you are God, and you are Lord. 
And I put my faith and trust in you. You got my back, Lord. You fight my battles for me. You will uphold me. Even when I don't have my own strength, you will be my strength. And you will catch me. And you will not let my foot even hit a stone. Come on, somebody. You will provide for me. You will heal me. You will push me through. All because of faith in God. And so you and I can take a step of faith into some unknown realms, into some unknown categories, simply by believing God and choosing faith over fear. Woo! Thank you, fellas. Give it up for our illustration, fellas. Wow, that was good. I think somebody punched me in the back, though. That was a cheap shot. Got a word for you. Somebody, like, fisted up right there. Well, we'll work on your form next service. For some of us, it's time to trust fall with God. It's time to do what we saw there illustrated in the natural supernaturally. To lean back and let God work it out for us, to, to take over, to, to do his thing. When we get to the end of ourselves, that's where God begins. When I get to the end of the stage, that's where the end of me began and the, the beginning of God began, right? God might be calling us to something right now, but what do we need to trust him and choose over fear in our lives? Because here's the deal, God won't give you, God's not giving out fear. He's the God of faith. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We see that in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us or given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So don't let fear hold you back from what God is calling you to. Don't let fear hold you back from what God has promised to you. Don't let fear hold you back from all the goodness of God that is still to come in your life we got to have faith. It comes through the Word. we got to build our faith on that. Amen? Gideon put faith over fear and went on to see God move in miraculous ways. We'll talk about that in this last point real quickly. We can do the same because God is not a respecter of persons, but He's just a respecter of faith. Amen? Faith over fear. That's number two. The last thing I want to close with this, number three, that we learned from Gideon is this. Let God fight your battles. Let God fight your battles for you. Gideon's story shows us the amazing power of trusting God in faith and letting him work it out. That we all need to trust God. We all need to trust fall. We all, we all need to let him fight our battles for us and quit trying to meddle and make it happen in our own strength. I love this story of Gideon because of what God does to show how he's Lord and the other people are not. And how he has the power to fight and they do not. Get this. In this story, God whittles an Israelite army of 32,000 down to 300 people. If you're a math person, that's a 99.065% reduction. If you round up, it's a 100% reduction of troops. Why? Why did God do this? Well, he said in his word, he didn't want the Israelites to get glory for something that he wanted to perform and do. He's also dealing with a people that used to serve and worship him, but busted their back, turned their backs, and have been wayward and doing their own thing and their, what is right in their own sight. And he needs them to be fully reliant on, that, on him. 100% if this thing's going to work, if, if he's going to deliver them. And so he takes this giant army of 32,000, which is pretty lopsided compared to 135,000, right? And he whittles it down to 300 men. God wanted the glory for the battle. And God wanted to remind them that, hey, I fight the battle for you. you. Your job is just to trust me, to believe in faith, 
to know my word, to step out of faith on my promise, but let, I do the miracle. I bring the breakthrough. I bring the healing. I'm the one that provides. Come on, somebody, right? God, that's God's job description. Our job is to just believe and trust him. And so God goes on in this battle scene in Judges chapter 7. It's epic in not the right epic way. It's not really a movie scene as far as spectacular battle weaponry and all this. It, it's pretty jacked up if you think about it. It's a little lopsided. 300 Israelites versus 135,000 Midianites. That's crazy. The weapon choice is a little unconventional. God says, let's go with clay pots, trumpets, and torches. Yeah! That's like bringing a plastic fork to a gunfight. Ah, I'm gone, right? It's like, you're dead. Like, it's just not, it's, it's over before it starts, right? And the victory is supernatural. We see it in Judges chapter 7, verse 22. It says, when the 300 blew their trumpets, check this out, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled from Beth Acadia toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel, Manola, and Tabath. Who, who set every man's sword against them? The Lord. The Lord set the swords of the Midianites against them, a.k.a. they started killing each other. <laughs> These Israelites are up above and they're yelling, they're breaking pots, and, ah! they have no weapons on them. All those have bows, arrows, shields, swords, all sorts of things. They, let's get them. But instead of that happening, the Lord sets ambushes and the Lord begins to have them kill and flee and gives them a supernatural victory. When we trust in God and let Him fight our battles for us, supernatural things can happen. Supernatural things can happen when we let God fight our battles for us. I like to say it this way. When we do it God's way, he makes a way. We're talking about the way maker. Yes, he is. But he wants us to trust him and do it his way, not our way. He wants to fight the battles, not us try to fight in our own strength. Because if getting those dudes with those pots and those trumpets ran down that hill with 300 guys into a camp of 135,000 saying, for Narnia! No, or like, whatever. Like, if they just yelled out, they are done in about 10 minutes Battle over, and I guarantee Gideon don't make the hall of faith in chapter 11. <laughs> but God, when we let God do his thing, when we do it God's way, he can make a way. There's just something, guys, that I see through scripture about trusting God and doing it his way. And oftentimes it doesn't make natural sense to us, right? Let's just walk around the city for six days on the seventh day. Let's walk around at seven times, let's blow a trumpet, and the walls of Jericho come down. Let's have an Israelite army ticked off that you left coming barreling down to your one side. Let's have a guy go up and just lift a staff up and we'll split the Red Sea and your whole nation will walk across on dry ground and then we'll close it up on that enemy. What? That's, hey, we're fighting another battle. King Jehoshaphat, what are we going to do? Let's put all the worship team on the front in front of all the weaponry people. <laughs> Is human shields? What? Like, what's going on here? And they begin to worship and the other enemy, again, does what happens here in Gideon, and they, they beat each other. They, they, they stab each other. They fight each other, right? Sometimes it don't make natural sense, but aren't you glad we serve a supernatural God and not a natural God? Amen? 
A God of faith, a God of miracles, a God of breakthrough when we begin to trust him over and over and over again throughout the Bible. We see God do supernatural things when men and women trust him and believe him in faith and let him fight their battles for them. I love what it says in Deuteronomy 24, 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. That is the God we serve today. And so my last questions for you are this. What are you facing right now in your current season of life? What feels like an enemy taunting you, bringing fear, bringing doubt, bringing worry, standing in your face, speaking smack to you that you need to overcome? Or or what have you actually, if you're honest, say, I've been trying to fight this battle in my own strength, in my own ability, with my own talent, with my own skill set, just trying to make it happen, but it's not working, it's failing royally, and I'm a little nervous about what's going to come next, and God's saying, yo, man, just let me, let me fight your battles, let me hook you up, let me give you the wisdom you need, let me give you the favor of God on that situation, on that job opportunity, on that issue, let me, let me get involved in it, just trust me, get to the edge, and then just fall back and trust that I'm a man of my word, and I will come through even if it doesn't look like it. What is that thing or situation or relationship or circumstance that we just need to let God fight our battles for us? To surrender it to him and say, God, you go to work because I got nothing left. Accept trust and faith in you. Guys, I think some of you guys need to hear this. Faith and faith alone in the word of God or the promise of God in your life is enough. It's enough. We come, a, come from a culture that's do, 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 busy, 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 work, 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 grind, grind, grind. We try to do it in our own strength. And God's like, where am I at? You've got the MVP of all time sitting on the bench of your life saying, put me in, coach. I'll dunk on him. I'll score a touchdown. I'll light him up. I'll sack him. I'll do whatever you want to the enemy. But we're like, I got it. God, I got it. Stay in your box. I'll ask you when I really need help. We try to walk out and we fall and we trip and we get burned and we get cut and we get hurt and we get all of this and God's over there saying, man, just let me at him. Let me fight your battles for you. Just trust me in faith. See, I love the hope that we get through Gideon's example. It doesn't matter how unevenly the odds are stacked against us. It, it doesn't matter how bad things might seem right now because when you put your faith in God, when you put your trust in the Lord, he can go to work and go to battle for you. And miracles can happen. All we have to do is believe. I love what it says in Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Gideon shows us that there's no limit that we can put on God when we simply trust to believe. So may we be encouraged this morning. I don't know about you guys, there's like, like a light, a fuse on the inside, like a I need to believe God for something. I need to grab a torch or a clay pot or shoot a trumpet, right? Get after that enemy. I got to trust God. I need to trust fall. I I haven't even been close to the edge yet. I'm so scared. God's saying, come close to me. Draw near to me. Let's remember, what did we talk about today? Number one, let God's word build faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Go to the word. Don't be led by your emotions. Your emotions will be a roller coaster. 
faith in God's word is steady, stable, and tried, tested, and proven. It never fails. Go to God's word, number one. Number two, choose faith over fear. And, and like we put a spin on it, choose faith in the midst of your fear. Choose to trust God. And lastly, remember who you've got on your team. Let God fight your battles for you. Here's a thought. God has never lost a battle. He is undefeated. All time. Don't lose. Ever lose. Let him loose in your circumstance. Let him loose in that relationship. Let him loose in that kid dynamic. Let him loose in that provision issue. And let God be God and just worship him like Gideon did. And watch what happens before your very own eyes. Amen? We can trust God in faith like Gideon and see supernatural results in our life. Would you join me as we pray and ask God to help us in any area of our life? Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for today. We thank you for the word of God that leads us and guides us. Lord, we thank you for your servant Gideon. We know he wasn't perfect and he had his own flaws and his own issues just like we do. That's why we love this story because Lord, just like he did, we can trust you, Lord. You spoke your word to him and it built faith. Lord God, may we be a people that go to your word and build our faith upon the word of God. Not our opinion, not pop culture, Lord God, but the unfailing, unending, never failing, eternal, proven, tried, tested, and eternal word of God, Lord God. Will we never be shaken from your promises and from your word. Lord God, number two, may we always know that even in the midst of fear, and worry, and doubt, and lack, we can choose faith over fear. Lord, I just pray right now that whatever situations we've been afraid about, we've been worried about, we've been stressing about, even right now, there's a new ounce of faith coming because of God's word through the story of Gideon. In our relationships, in our marriages, in our searches, in our hunts, Lord God, all the things that we're trusting you and believing for. Father God, we thank you that faith is arising. And faith is trumping fear in our circumstance. We won't be held back from your goodness and your plan and the victory because of our fear. We're going to choose faith in the midst of that. And lastly, Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Nisi, the Lord that fights our battles, the one that goes before us and the one has always gone before us. And Lord, we just want to surrender anything that we are struggling with to you we want your power, your wisdom, your anointing, your spirit, your breath on it, not ours. Lord, we surrender and we trust fall into your arms. Lord, carry us through, see us through to the other side. And Lord, we thank you for supernatural breakthrough and victory even in this next season as a result from the word of God going forth boldly, Lord God. We thank you that we would not give up and we would not throw in the towel and we would not quit because God, you're not done yet. And so Father, we receive all of this, your love, your mercy, and your truth today. And may we be people of faith that go out like Gideon and conquer the enemies that stand before us, Lord God. And may you get all the glory and honor. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said, amen. So be it.